When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Groundhog Day. Nothing personal. Word of the day for Wednesday, January 19th, 2022 is Groundhog Day. When you write a movie, it's your dream that the movie will last across generations. You hope that people will see it. You hope people will love it. The movie Groundhog Day is one of those movies. And then the ultimate prize when you're writing a book or a movie or any form of cultural, I don't even, God damn it, Coca. Four, six, nine. Groundhog Day. Nothing personal word of the day. January 19th, 2022. Groundhog Day is from a movie which has now transcended generations and people recognize what, when you say Groundhog Day, what you mean is the same thing keeps happening over and over again. No matter what you do, you are always doing the same thing over and over until you get it perfectly right and then you can go to the next day. That's the Bill Murray movie. Groundhog Day is the word of the day for me because something happened late last night and the first word that popped into my head was Groundhog Day. Carlos Correa is a shortstop in Major League Baseball, a free agent who won a World Series with the Houston Astros, who was part of the cheating scandal, if you think that hitting garbage cans and wearing buzzers is cheating. And he has switched agents. That's not normally big news. I wouldn't cover it. It certainly wouldn't be a lead story. MLB's in a lockout. So Carlos Correa is not going to sign today. He's represented by the firm we talked about yesterday on the show, WME, part of Endeavor, the company that bought those minor league teams. And wouldn't you know it, the day after we speak about this topic, the day after, he signs with Scott Boris. Groundhog Day. Scott Boris loves going after players who are about to be free agents because he doesn't have to invest anything in their development, anything when they're young, doesn't have to do arbitration, doesn't have to get them equipment, doesn't have to do anything other than collect 15%, 10%, 5%, whatever the deal is of his contract. Coca could represent Correa and get Correa about 300 mil. That means that by not representing Correa, Coca, you're giving up, just between us, you're giving up about 15 large. The way Scott Boris poaches players is very simple. He has his existing players speak to players who are represented by other agents because then he has plausible deniability because agents should not be poaching players 
of other agents, although they do. They try to, because why wouldn't you? Think about this. I was talking to Coca a couple days ago, a week ago, about kids, and we were talking about the possibility, can you just have kids and skip the diaper stage and the baby stage and just have them when they're like 18? And I explained that even 18-year-olds require parenting going forward. Once you're a parent, you're always a parent. And Coca said, I don't remember what Coca said. I... Is this, is this happening to me on a Wednesday? It shouldn't be. <sighs> Coco, what do you think I was talking about? We were talking about Boris and poaching and what, what Boris does to poach players. Ah, plausible deniability. So while things aren't supposed to happen that way, they do happen that way. But Boris does not want to be disliked by other agents even though he is, and even though I know Boris, and he doesn't care, but he tells you, the public, that, hey, I'm a good guy, and I'm loved by everyone. So what you do is you call your player, like Max Scherzer or like Corey Seager, a player who's a free agent who signed a big contract, and you say, listen, why don't you possibly speak to Carlos and let tell Carlos that I would be very interested in representing him, and tell Carlos that if he wants to be represented by me to initiate the change of agents, and I'm happy to meet with him at an undisclosed location at an undisclosed time, wearing a Groucho Marx disguise. That's actually how agents get players from other agents. They have very under-the-table meetings. The players talk amongst themselves more than the agents talk to the players. And then the player approaches the agent. So Correa then approaches Boris and says, I'm very frustrated with WME. I would have great interest in doing a deal with you. They do a deal and then they release it. So I want to talk about what was released because it would shock you. Now, please understand, I go after Boras. I admit it because going after him, it's not that it feels good or right. It's good content. Scott Boris acts in a way that he is better than every other agent, that he is in control more than any other agent, but he's not the only agent who poaches at all. As a matter of fact, Correa's former agency was sued recently by another agency for poaching clients. It happens. My complaints about Boris are when he promises to do something and doesn't do it. My complaints about Boris are when he claims to be all about the game and he's all about the player, but he's not really all about all players, all about his players. Scott Boris, when announcing that Carlos Correa was going to be his client, he would never do a huge press release upon the poach. The publicity that he gets is upon the signing. When the poach happens, he has the player do the talking. So what did Carlos Correa have to say? It's pretty good. Ready? Are you ready? Are you ready, Coca? I have made the decision 
to hire Boris Corporation to represent me moving forward. Okay? And here's the money line. Boris Corporation offers the highest level of baseball expertise and proven experience. <laughs> can one of you please go on the Boris website and see if you can find anywhere in their marketing material the fact that Boris Corporation offers the highest level of baseball expertise and proven experience. My daughter, who is a studying to be a psychologist, getting a doctorate in psychology, could negotiate Carlos Correa's contract. And this is not meant to downplay the role of agents. There are plenty of agents who add plenty of value to plenty of players. But if you ask an agent, they will tell you the toughest group of players to represent are middle-class players, young players who haven't yet made any money because they've got great needs and require great investment prior to any payoff, and they are subject to the whims of their friends in the clubhouse who tell them, come with my guy. My guy's better at arbitration. My guy will get you more money in free agency. The top of the free agent class, Carlos Correa is the top of the shortstop free agent class. The incremental value is minimized. That's not to say that players shouldn't have agents because they do need help. They need legal help. They need marketing help in order to exploit their contract, in order to settle into their new city, in order, in order to make sure that everything is on the up and up, to look at the guarantee language. But it's not as though the agent is used to seek out teams. Scott Boris used to do this all the time. He would send a book he would make a book for his free agents with with pictures and statistics analyzing our team showing what our team would be if we signed his player and he actually thought because i've spoken to him about this he actually believed that that book had some sort of sway in a team's decision in terms of average annual value and years of a contract. No matter how many times we would tell him, don't send us the book, we don't care. It's eyewash meant to show that you're doing something for your player. Send me a book on the guy who's looking at a one-year, $1.5 million deal. Show me why the middle reliever who you have is going to help me more than the middle reliever that my head of player personnel and scouting and development wants me to sign. They don't get the books. They're not going to waste valuable time and resources of the Boris Corporation to try to help a middle reliever. There's no money in poaching middle relievers. If they come to you and say, hey, I want to represent you. Great, great. All right, fine. Just give it to one of the minions. But when you're at the top of the class, it just doesn't work that way. Teams know exactly what Correa does for them. They know what they can do in their budget. 
They don't need help from Boris in any way. And there's no value added to Correa in any way. So when he talks about Correa, the baseball expertise, that's important when you're in high school or college or a young minor leaguer where they can maybe help coach you in addition to what minor league development staffs can do for specific teams. If they can help you during a lockout by giving you a place to work out and throw, his facilities are unbelievable. Do you know the expression, never use a realtor who drives a Mercedes, but always hire a lawyer who does? That's the same with agents. Rich agents are rich because they're getting money from rich players who in theory could get the same service for a lot less money. It's baseball news. It is definitely the pandemic. It is definitely the lockout. There is a dearth of new information, but let me tell you, Scott Boris poaching Carlos Correa is not worthy of a leadoff story, except for the fact it's Boris, except for the fact it's Groundhog Day, and except for the fact of that statement written by Boris and Correa forced to say. See you later. The only thing I should point out in addition, just so you're all aware, losing Correa, if you are WME, that is a major, major loss for them because they were about to cash in. They're in the middle of this fight right now with the union. There's that concern over decertification. The level of anger that WME, they're going to try to see if there is a violation of any contract that they had with Correa. They're going to see if there is any possible legal way to stop Boris from representing Correa. I promise you that, but it's not going to work. Okay, I got to talk about some NFL things because what Dak Prescott did, uh, it does need to be discussed, and you asked me about it. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Samson's a character in the movie Half-Baked. I just watched Half-Baked recently. It was the 24th anniversary of the movie. Go into my Twitter at David P. Sampson, ask a question. I'm falling behind in responding to DMs, but many of you know that I do. Most of you know that I try. Hello, Mr. Sampson. Here's a hint. I like hello, David. Hi, David. How you doing, David? I'm not a big fan of Sampson because my name is spelled wrong if you put a P in it, so I'm likely not going to answer. But Mr. Sampson is my father or grandfather. Just David. I'm good. Hello, Mr. Sampson. Hello. Do you think the NFL or the Cowboys made Dak Prescott apologize for his comments about referees? Thank you for asking that question. Let's give you the story. Dak Prescott, at the end of the game, when the Cowboys lost to the Niners and fans were throwing stuff onto the field toward the players as they were walking out of the tunnel, I kept imagining the fact that the tunnel didn't collapse the way it did with uh, Jalen Hurts. But in any case, so Dak Prescott has stuff thrown toward Cowboys. He says, you know, that's not really, we shouldn't be doing that. If you're fans, don't throw players. We're doing our best. But to the extent that you're throwing at referees, I applaud that. Way to go. Good job. And that created quite a stir. When Dak Prescott or any player says something about referees, the league 
is very quick, whether it's the NFL, MLB, or NBA, to defend its referees because while owners and presidents have issues with many referees and umpires, and on this very show I've told you about umpires who absolutely stink, and there are NBA referees and NFL referees who also are just not good enough. There's been a huge increase in the pool. There has been a huge decrease in the talent level and effectiveness. It is a fast game. Basketball, baseball, football, things are happening fast with the advent of all these different camera angles, all these slow-mo, instant replay, challenges. What exactly did the leagues think was going to happen in terms of the audience, the fans, and the executives' view of referees? Did they think all of a sudden referees and umpires would be applauded for how right they are, even though they're right the overwhelming majority of the time, like 98% of the time they get the call right? But when you have an opportunity to Monday morning quarterback a call, of course, there's going to be more opportunities given technology. So given that fact, these leagues now spend the time and the energy and the statement inches in terms of paper and tweets. The fiber optic network in terms of phone calls to owners, presidents, and GMs to defend the referees and the umpires and to make sure that they are treated properly in the public arena. So when Dak Prescott made his statement, it didn't take an hour for the NFL to call the Jones family and say, listen, he needs to retract that. He needs to apologize for that. You have to get on that. In addition, I'm going to need a comment from you, either Stephen or Jerry. Jerry said, make it Stephen. That throwing things at referees is inexcusable. Throwing things at players is inexcusable. Stephen Jones did that, said, we're a classy bunch of fans. We don't do that stuff. And for the few people who did it, we condone it. Blah, blah, blah. Page two of the PR handbook when your fans do something unruly, like Disco Day. What was the name of that, Coca? I'm forgetting now. It was the, the uh, Bill Vec promotion, Disco Night, where the game had to be postponed because they were burning all the disco records. So anyway. So Dak Prescott then gets called by two people, not the NFL. He gets called by Jones and he gets called by his agent and says, listen, there needs to be an immediate and full apology. And I mean full. I'm going to send you what it needs to say, but you are tweeting it. Not us, you. Prescott said, I deeply regret comments I made regarding the officials after the game on Sunday. Again, the adjective is not required in the statement. Don't put those two words together. I deeply regret. That means that you want us to make sure that we understand. It's not that you regret it. You really, really regret it. It's disingenuous. I was caught up in the emotion of a disappointing loss and my words were uncalled for and unfair. Here's another hint to the Jones family. When you are explaining what you did, don't give the excuse first and then the apology second. Give the apology first and then the excuse second. So you would say, my words were uncalled for and unfair, period. 
Then you can say, I was caught up in the emotion of a disappointing loss. Okay. It's not necessary to say. It hurts the first sentence by having that second sentence where you could just say, my words were uncalled for and unfair. Hard stop. But by doing it the way they did it, it's a little <coughs> toward the referees. If you're not watching this on Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel, then I have no idea what that sounded like to you. But I'm doing a little knife in the back. I was caught up in the emotion of a disappointing loss. Put the excuse second, not first. Third, I hold the NFL officials in the highest regard and have always respected their professionalism and the difficulty of their jobs. Wrong. I'm not being hard on you, Dak. I'm trying to help you. If you held NFL officials in the highest regard, you would not have said what you said. Therefore, don't try to walk it back by saying you hold them in the highest regard. Just go right to the second part of the sentence, which is referees and officials in the NFL have a very difficult job. You can end it there, or you could give a qualifying sentence after that, which says, NFL officials have a very difficult job and it is absolutely understandable when there is a difference of opinion in judgment calls. That would be a legitimate and good sentence to put in a statement. Then he went to the fourth paragraph. The safety of everyone who attends a game or participates on the field of a sporting event is a very serious matter. <laughs> right? That is the malice at the palace. That is the statement that's in all the statements, the sentence that's, that's in all the releases, in all the tweets. I'm sure Dak came up with that on his own. That was a straight copy-paste. Believe me, he was not the original writer of that. And then he ends it with, that was a mistake on my behalf and I'm sorry. Okay, you start with I deeply regret, you end with I'm sorry, you have a bunch of crap in the middle, and all in all, I found it to be a less than exemplary tweet of apology. I have had many moments with umpires. In baseball, even with the instant replay rule, which doesn't allow for many plays to be the subject of replay, I've had many conversations with umpires over the years, many of which I remember, almost all of which I remember, and when I talk to umpires, I'm asking them one question. What did you see at the moment? And was there a difference between what you saw and what you did? And the reason I want to know those is that it is perfectly logical and explainable and understandable if they acted on something they saw, but what they saw was different than what I saw, and therefore I believe it was wrong, but the umpire believes it was right. That is a conversation. There is nothing you can do about it at all. Okay. The other type of conversation I've had with umpires is when they tell me I got it wrong. You were right. We missed that call. That happens. I don't get upset they missed the call. What I get upset about is when there's no consultation. 
the object and why we started instant replay in Major League Baseball was to get calls right. Without instant replay, the other way to get calls right is through meeting with other umpires on the field, meeting with other officials on the field, and figuring out was the result, was the call correct? Did the result that should have happened happen? And if it didn't happen, we can change it. The NFL officials, if they thought that the clock should not have run out in the Cowboys game, they could have blown the whistle and put a second on the clock. They didn't need to go to instant replay. They would have the ability, they didn't need to go to New York. They could have the ability to say, wait a minute, get off the field, everybody. We are meeting here to make sure that we got it right. That is a legitimate conversation to have. As far as fans, they're not part of the equation. You are not part of the equation that umpires think about, that officials think about, that leagues think about. Your reaction to a loss, whether it's the home team losing or road team winning, doesn't matter. The reason why fans are not in the equation is that you've got too many different gods that you're praying to. Some of you just want your team to win. Some of you just want a team to lose. Some of you are gambling. Some of you are drunk. Some of you are just downright angry. That's fine. I'm in on however you want to be as a fan. But you can't be emotional, have a stake in the outcome of a game, whether it's emotional or fiscal, and then be involved in what happens on the field with officials or umpires. Doesn't work that way. Fans throwing things on the field is as old as fans attending events. It's happened since the beginning of time, and it's not going to stop. It's the reason why very often there are covers over tunnels so things don't hit players. It's the reason why security ushers umpires off a field, and when umpires are going to their clubhouse— Umpires have their own clubhouse in a baseball ballpark. They've got to walk through public areas in every single clubhouse to get to their room. It's a reason why security is with them at all times, just to make sure that those who had a different dog in the fight do not get to them post-game, pre-game, during game. The NFL can't legislate against people throwing things, but they can legislate against players saying things, and they're going to. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. When it happens, we'll revisit it. When it doesn't happen, we'll revisit it. Dak Prescott is going to be fined by the NFL. They're not going to make it public. There will be a letter sent. There will be a fine that will be worked on with the union, 250 bucks, 500 bucks. And I will try, and Coco will try to find out if this wait to see happens. But I wanted to inform you, our awesome audience at Nothing Personal, that Dak Prescott will be fine for what he did because the referees union, the officials, the players, the executives, the league, they can't have 
violence toward officials, period. When we come back, we're going to review a movie that could get some Oscar attention. It's a tough watch, but an important watch. And we're also going to talk about what's going on in La La Land because there's no singing and dancing at this moment. We'll be right back. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's me. It's David. We are here every day. We thank you for rating, reviewing, following, telling your friends about Nothing Personal. Thank you. Go up and on Spotify, you can follow on Apple. You can write a review. Those help. You can rate. Is it ratings they count? Is it reviews? Whatever it is. I watch a movie every day and it's Oscar time. Oscar nominations are coming up, Coca. Do you know that we are about 20 days from Oscar nominations? February 8th? Can't wait. I watched a movie the other day called Mass. Mass is a movie that stars four people. That's it. You got Jason Isaacs. Martha Plimpton, Ann Dowd, and another guy. I feel like I just gave you the name of the Traveling Wilburys. That's a Levitard joke in case you listened to Local Hour recently. Mass is a movie that is about two families who were impacted by one event. There are two couples at a table at a church in a meeting set up by a social worker. And it's about two couples... And the whole movie is in one room where two couples are discussing the impact that one event had on their life. The one event is a school shooting. One couple is the parent of the kid who did the school shooting. One couple is the parent of a kid who got killed in the school shooting. The reason why it's such an important movie to see, and this is not me talking to you about the Second Amendment and guns. I'll do that another time. I've done it before. I'll do it again. You know where I am as it relates to guns. I've not made that a secret. But this is a movie where the perfect tone is set by the dialogue, by the writing, by the direction, by the camera angle of when you are looking at which parent, how the parents move around the room showing their discomfort, the unbelievable nightmare that is when your child either does that act or is the victim of that act. The hatred, the confusion, the distress. These actors were able to capture it in a way that made it look like a documentary. It's not filmed like a documentary, but it sure felt like one. It's called Mass. Frank Vogel, how do you segue that, Coca? How do you transition from school shooting to a coach in the NBA? I just paused, I guess. You always taught me. We're at episode 521 of regular Nothing Personal episodes today. And you said, listen, if you have no perfect transition, just breathe. Just pause. So that's what I did for you. 
So here's what's going on in La La Land. That's a reference to the Oscar-winning movie. Emma Stone won the Oscar for Best Actress. It did not win Best Picture, as you may recall. It lost to Moonlight, even though Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway said they did win. That was the Oscar sort of flub that was hilarious. La La Land has a basketball team named the Lakers, and we've given the Lakers quite a bit of grief. We've talked about LeBron James. We've talked about him surrounding himself with his friends. We've talked about Westbrook, Anthony, AD, who's been out for the last 17 games, a guy named Anthony Davis, who was supposed to combine with LeBron to make two of the big three. Then bringing in Westbrook, we've got three of the big three. Bring in Anthony, we've got three of the big 20, and we are good to go. Well, the Lakers this year are a 500 team. We have we had a wait to see about the Lakers just a few days ago. Well, word came out that their coach, Frank Vogel, is on the hot seat. He is day to day. They did a Matt Nagy on him. Do you remember the coach of the Bears who on before a game in the middle of the season, there was a rumor that he was going to be fired after the next game, and then he won the next game and wasn't fired even though he said he wasn't going to be fired because the Bears don't fire people during the season. And then after the season, he was fired, and we had to wait to see about Nagy not coaching in 2022. And then I told you he did coach in 2022, but it was the regular season of 2021, so it really was a win in the wait to see. You remember all that? Well, Frank Vogel was basically told, you better win some games, and I mean now. So they play the Utah Jazz, and they win a game. They were underdogs at home against the Utah Jazz, and they ended up winning the game, and Frank Vogel is still the coach. So my question is this. What is the benefit to the on-field performance of your team by making your coach day-to-day? In baseball, I went through this. I would think about mid-season firings. I would think about all the ones we did. I would think about how when it leaks out to the clubhouse that we are looking at a managerial change, I would say to the owner, it's now or never. Because even in a 162-game season, where each game means half as much as an NBA game where there are 81 games, that's good math, isn't it? My brain is fully functioning at level two, Wordle. I'm not willing to even give up a baseball game because of the distraction of players thinking, oh God, my sphincter is so small because I really like my manager and if we don't pitch well and win today, they're going to fire him. Some owners think and some presidents think it's really good. It gets the players motivated. They want to save their coach's job. I have a secret, and it's not deodorant. The secret is that every time you read players talk about their coach, they say, oh, he can't play the games for us. Oh, I really appreciate the work he did and the effort they put in. But at the end of the day, we've got to be able to perform on the field. And that's on me. Players always say that. Do you know whether or not LeBron James cares if Frank Vogel is the coach today versus tomorrow? Because that's the only question worth asking. Frank Vogel is not going to be fired by Rob Spelunka. Wow, that's not his name. Uh, Coco, Rob, uh, 
Kurt Rambis is one of the top executives, former Nick, former Laker. Loved him as a Nick. If you don't remember his Superman glasses as a Nick, you're just young. You think that they're going to fire the coach Vogel without speaking to LeBron? When LeBron is the one making personnel decisions, you don't think he's making coaching decisions? You think that they're going to go down, fire Vogel, then walk over to the clubhouse and say, by the way, LeBron, we just made a coaching change. Oh, we, you did? Who's my new coach? Ah, we're going to bring Kurt Rambis down from the executive office. Horse hockey. Is that how it's going to work? If Frank Vogel is day-to-day for the Lakers, it just means that LeBron's phone is on silent. You don't give a player personnel authority without giving him coaching authority. It would make no sense. You need a coach brought in who can get the most out of the personalities that the player wanted on the team. And if the players are not playing well, you know very well that it's LeBron's fault. So then do you make Vogel the scapegoat? Are you helping the Lakers win more games by saying he's got to win or else we may let him go? We would wait when we made a decision on whether to fire a coach. We would wait for a loss. It's not fun to fire a coach after a win. It doesn't seem nice, does it? You wait for a loss and then fire him and say, oh, we needed to get that game. If you were going to fire Matt Nagy during the season and he wins a game, it shouldn't matter. Fire him. If you were going to wait till the end of the season, then don't even get that rumor out there. If Frank Vogel is really day-to-day and he's got to win the rest of his games, then I promise you his days are going to run out. You think there's going to be a change all of a sudden in their game against the Pacers tonight? They're going to come out on fire. All of a sudden, LeBron and Carmella Anthony. Oh, Anthony. LeBron, by the way, he's been playing great. But they're going to just, they're going to be cohesive. Westbrook's not going to have any turnovers. They're going to win one for the Gipper. G-M-A-B. That said, the Lakers are only favored by four and a half against the Pacers. How is that even possible? We're taking the Lakers in our pick of the day. Did you see the Timberwolves-Knicks game last night? Knicks are winning the whole game. I got it wrong. I had the Timberwolves by two and a half. I got it wrong. And then all of a sudden, the last minute, the Timberwolves win the game, but by two? Come on. We're 10 and 4 to start the season. Timberwolves won by 2 and not 3. I got a parlay tonight. Nets plus 2 versus Wizards in Washington. We've talked about the Nets. You recall that Kyrie Irving is playing road games, not home games. You recall that Kevin Durant is not playing at all because of his MCL. You recall that the Wizards actually are playing much better this season. And all that adds up to the Nets as underdogs in Washington. When you are a player for the Brooklyn Nets, you know one thing and you know it clearly. We better win our road games. Nets plus two, Lakers minus four and a half. That's a parlay. And that's our pick of the day for January 19th. Okay. Something happened with Matt Gates yesterday. I tweeted about it. I said I was going to get to it, and I have to get to it. It infuriated me. I'm going to give you a little bit of... Don't shut it off. 
I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I just want you to be informed. I want you to give me one reason why if you live where Matt Gates is your representative that you voted for him. I just want one. Don't say because he's a Republican, because he loves Trump. Don't, I don't want to hear any of that. I want to hear what he has done as a member of Congress to deserve your vote. The fact that he's under investigation for sex trafficking, having sex with underage, the fact that he has been investigated and will likely be indicted on charges, the fact that he is irresponsible and a lunatic, if that doesn't factor in, fine. And I'm consistent. Matt Gates is innocent of any crime he is charged of until proven guilty by a court of law or pleading to such actions. He's denied that he had sex with anyone underage. Fine. He didn't have sex with anyone underage until proven otherwise. The authorities have gotten a long list of people who will testify as such. And then it'll be up to a jury to decide. No problem. You know where I stand on COVID, I want it done. You know that wearing a mask and being vaccinated would be super helpful to getting us to the endemic stage. This is not news. You know that Joe Biden sending a million tests to everybody, four households at a time or four tests at a time. All those will be delivered to you way too late for it to matter. You know that I've told you that testing only matters if you're symptomatic. That's my view. Them now sending N95 masks by the millions to everyone. Where were you when I had to pay 20 bucks a mask from a guy in the street that was used Oh, there was production delays. Okay. But what Matt Gates did yesterday was too much. He's a part of a country club called the Capitol Hill Club. And he decided to cancel his membership in the Capitol Hill Club. And here's why. <laughs> Ready? Nowhere in America, he wrote, should the government or businesses have the power to medically segregate based on vaccination status. As America first legislators, we have a duty to mandate freedom, not forced injections. Republican organizations in the nation's capital have the duty to be pillars of the values we fight for. As a result of their compliance requiring VAX papers for entry, I am canceling my membership at the Capitol Hill Club. There's a few things to discuss with his statement. As America First legislators, we have a duty to mandate freedom. Hmm. Well, I think the private companies have the freedom to have whatever rules they want as long as they don't violate the Constitution. No Jews allowed. Ooh, that's not fair. No people of color allowed. That's not fair. That's a violation. No short people allowed. That's discrimination as well. You must wear a jacket and tie. That's it. 
I'm canceling. You've taken away my freedom to wear flip-flops and a t-shirt. Can I sue you? No. Have you taken away my freedom to wear flip-flops and a t-shirt? No, I haven't. All I've told you is, if you want to wear flip-flops and a t-shirt, you can't do it in here. Have you ever seen a sign when you go into a store, no shoes, no shirt, no service? Have you been violated? Do you want your America First legislators to go to that bodega and say, you don't need to say no shoes, no shirts, no service, because I'm allowed to walk in there naked? No. Representative Gates, to the extent that anyone actually does vote for you and that you have a chance of staying out of prison, I would like to offer you a word of advice of what people who actually agree with your insane stances want. They want you to use your place in the legislature to help run a government so that our lives can be better, more fruitful, and we can be richer. That's generally what your constituents want. To the extent that it's unfair and that we get richer as other people get poorer, I can live with that. Do you think that your constituents want you to resign as a member of the Capitol Hill Club because they demand vaccinations? Are you kidding? Now, of course, everyone's going to say, He's not kidding. Of course, that's exactly what the people in Florida want. That's what DeSantis, the great governor, wants. The freedom of companies to decide. <laughs> Let me give you another way to think about this, Matt, if you don't mind. When you say that nowhere in America should the government have the power to medically segregate, Try not to use the word segregate. That's sort of a trigger word as it should be for segregation that actually is based on color. Segregation that actually impacted the rights that people had based on the color of their skin. That type of segregation. No one uses segregation in terms of whether or not you've been vaccinated. And it is not just insulting. It's patently wrong of you to say. Do you think he used that word by accident, folks? You think that there wasn't a little bit of understanding who his constituents are and what they actually stand for? So there could be a tinge of association? Make no mistake, folks, what Matt Gates wrote and what Matt Gates did was all about making sure that those people who support him continue to support him, but in no way does it represent the views, the feelings of the majority, and it never will. Your days are numbered, Matt. Your time is limited, and your moments of the freedom that you are supposed to fight for, get ready, because you're fighting for that freedom, and that fight starts now. The government and the authorities will look at you and say, hey, Matt, good luck in there, number 452679. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.